back to the Never Ending Glory podcast. You'll notice that there's no Luke Grilly today. Luke is currently exploring Iceland looking for his uh, fantasy spirit animal, or as Sean put earlier today, he might be looking for a place to put uh, his favorite guy, um, Commissioner Roger Goodell. Yeah, he's looking to search a body, kind of Jimmy Hoffa style, no one finding it, and there's plenty of volcanoes to to drop him in, although contrary to goats or virgins i think if you put satan incarnated into a volcano it will create the end of the world as we know it we could actually be creating some sort of nfl hell or purgatory some, if that were to happen whole worm creation right well, what we want to do is we want to give you a little bit of an overview on uh, this year's draft what the, you know, the teams did around the NFL, but more importantly, what the Cleveland Browns did. And there's nobody better in Ohio to talk about this than the Never Ending Glory podcast. No, so, no question. Let's, let's, let's get into it here. Um, first thing I want to ask you about is you're an Ohio State Buckeye alum. This year, the, the Buckeyes had 12 players drafted. Now, people were talking about how this might be the best draft class of all time from a single university. In 2004, the, the Buckeyes had 14 players drafted rounds one through seven. This year, uh, we had five guys go in the first round. And I just want to get your take. Compare the two draft classes. So this is coming from someone that sat, sat in the end zone and watched from the opposite end as we won the first national title in, in 40-some years, if, if I recall correctly. Right. I spent most right. of my how'd college you, in a drunken haze, but still pulled and the how'd you get home? how'd you get home from that game? Well, I got there on a 52-hour bus ride with, with uh, my buddy Taylor that might hopefully be listening to this podcast and will take great enjoyment in, in reminiscing on that story. We oh, yeah. waited in a uh, Greyhound station to drive back, and I gave him the fuck this, and we walked over to uh, – to the airport in Phoenix and, and caught a plane the two days later. And I watched my Browns lose in a, in a Pittsburgh uh, playoff game. The only one we've been to since we've been back. So pardon <laughs> my French there on that, but that was verbatim to what I said as we watched little kids roll around in a Greyhound bus station. <laughs> the Greyhound bus station is the best place to watch a Brown Steelers match. It's up. also the best so place you- to recollect what your priorities in life actually are. Correct, correct. So at the top of that 2004 draft, they had Will Smith, they had uh, Gamble, they had Michael Jenkins, and uh, they those all three were playoff players. Will Smith, obviously the late, great Will Smith, and Michael Jenkins both were Super Bowl champs at New Orleans. Um, and who was it? Will Allen, who actually lost in the Super Bowl. But compare that class to uh, this year's class. Well, I think, you know, ultimately when folks look back in Ohio State fans, there. I think it's pretty common knowledge that the team from two years ago, talent wise was superior to the undefeated team, but the undefeated team was just that there was a level of nail biters and just maximizing absolutely every ounce of talent that they had in that team. And and Trestle just kind of Trestle ball and coached them up. And then to beat the juggernaut that was Miami, which is, basically two right. years later or a year later setting all the draft marks that this Ohio State team beat. Um, that I think if you look back on it, the nostalgia will always be with the team from, from 03 or 02, excuse me, and, and you know the realism will kick in of how talented this past team was. Unfortunately, 
folks are going to look back and think, well, they had all those guys drafted after they won the title and neglected this past season, which was, for, by all accounts, a disappointment for who they had right. and what, what they did not accomplish, not even making the playoff for. So with Bosa, Elliott, Apple, Decker, and Lee all going in the first round, compare that to, you just mentioned the Miami class from uh, 2004. They had six guys in the first round with Taylor, Winslow, Vilma, Will Fork. Uh, that's a pretty loaded draft class from one university. Like, What's your take on comparing those two? Well, it's, it's probably great that we don't have Luke on because I'm sure he's got a, an incredibly soft spot for, for uh, old Pork Chop or whatever his nickname was, Will oh, Fork. Yeah. I mean, he's fantastic. Mr. First and Second Down only, Vince Will Yeah, Ford. but handled First and Second, second uh, Downs in his own right. Uh, yeah, I think right. you look at that, that was the, the kind of constant tease in Sean Taylor and, and Kellen Winslow, as we well know. I mean, he couldn't stay off a motorcycle and flipping it through the Berea parking <laughs> lot. If you were to say on overall talent and pickup game and, and just playing um, – from their college merits and translating to pros that Miami team probably is, is almost unrivaled maybe versus, you know, a Bama team or even the most recent Florida state team that just didn't have everybody draft eligible. Um, But in and of themselves, as far as rolling into a single draft class, that Miami team is, I think still tops this Ohio state team though, has the opportunity through their pro career to outperform and thus kind of flip the narrative on that. And I agree. I think if you take that or the Oh four Miami class, the top end was, was loaded, but I think the off the field issues really were their downfall. It seems like Bosa and, and Apple and, and Decker and all these guys, they're going to turn out to be hopefully uh, a little bit better off the field. I think the NFL has changed a lot in, in these eight to 10 years too. Um, there's a lot more tension going on off the field. Just think back if Sean Taylor would have had Twitter and in uh, Kellen Winslow being a psychopath, if he would have <laughs> another way of speaking uh, to people instead of calling himself as a soldier in the locker room, but I digress. Um, I guess before we get back into the, and before we get to the Brown stuff, I wanted to ask you, so of the the teams that made some moves in the first round, um, you know Tennessee being one of them. You know who's kind of the winners that you see coming out of this that are probably going to be uh, on the rise for this this coming season. So naturally, I'm just as I did in the last podcast. I'll take some of that question and answer it, and the rest I like to take the negative spin on it. That's fine. I, I think, and maybe it's playing to my homerism, you look at the Browns and what they did, maybe not this year in the draft. This year was more of just accumulate, let's throw a bunch of shit against the wall and see what sticks. But we control right. the next two years. You look at top four picks and probably the top 45. I think maybe you'll give us the rundown. And then you look at the year after yeah. that, we've got three in the top 45. Assuming these teams we traded with are going to stink. And we know where we're going to be next year, more than likely. Yes, absolutely. And if to look at it from a different viewpoint, I'm, I'm going to look at it. There's a couple of teams I think that did some good stuff, one being Tennessee. Um, I think they got out of that spot for a reason. They, their quarterback situation is set. 
Um, I don't know if Conklin was the absolute best player, but they obviously knew something was up with well, Tunsil. Well, I think the thing is they panicked with Tunsil. I think if they make that trade True. up and take Tunsil and they leave the draft, moving back, accumulating picks, and still getting the guy they would have taken at one, that's a home oh, run. Yeah. So I think maybe they Absolutely. just hit a double that maybe drove in a run but didn't hit the, the kind of game-changing three-run bomb that maybe their franchise needed. Their uh, their next pick in Derrick Henry, the Heisman winner, was my uh, kind of question mark for the for the uh, second round. Why go Derrick Henry when you just signed uh, Demarco Murray? Um, you're kind of getting two running backs that kind of do the same thing. They're bigger guys. They're they're not jitterbug types like a like a Lashawn McCoy, and but they are big up front. So I think they're trying to get in more of this pound game um, that are. You know, as pound the, game, yeah, pound game. As uh, the NFL is trying to be more of it in these sub packages on defense and getting more five and, and six man um, secondaries, you're seeing weaker and weaker uh, defenses up front, and they're trying to counteract that. It seems like by being bigger and stronger than everybody is. You know that a way, the kind of the second wave we're going to see in the NFL is teams are trying to spread the ball more. I, I do are think you're going to see a more physical approach. I think maybe you're giving them too much credit. I think they got a king's ransom. Be. They already had a quarterback, so it made a ton of sense. And Absolutely. when you look at the Henry, you know, in comparison to whether they, tra- I think they traded for Demarco. But regardless of that, yes, what they're kind of doing and the coach that they hired just reeks of let's just kind of do the the kind of most conservative thing possible and not taking Tunsil in the spot where he was or slipped to it just further reeks of that uh, you know Conklin did they need to trade up for Conklin what's the difference between him and Taylor Decker um, maybe one Decker's more of a left tackle maybe you move Conklin to, to right tackle which it sounds like they're doing it doesn't yeah they want, it, it we'll just want kind of feels tackle. like we made this great trade that everybody loved let's just not screw it up by taking any remote chances and let's take some level of redundancy in Derrick Henry I mean, they're trying to compete for who's going to have more miles on their tires with Henry and DeMarco Murray from two years ago. And Henry, who got 40, 40 carries a game last year under under Bama when they had a stable of running backs they could have you know given it to. So, I, oh, sure. I, I don't know. Mike Malarkey sucks to me. I'm not impressed. <laughs> you're, a, you're a big Mariota guy. I like who they have maybe on the outside a little bit, maybe what they're doing, but it just reeked of, of kind of being overly conservative after making a fairly good deal on their end. So yeah, color me not like impressed. I think be- the other team in their division, and maybe you'll go into this, Jerry, that maybe really has the, has the strong trend upwards is Jacksonville. Yeah, and it's it's weird to say Jacksonville on the rise, but I think that defense has got pretty stout. Um, you know, adding a, a player like Miles Jack and and is going to be big. You put him with Fowler and some of the other pieces they've added. Um, it's not the Colts at the top of the, the division anymore. Um, and with Tex with the Texans, you know, do you really trust Brock Osweiler to be your guy? Like I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards Tennessee and in uh, Jacksonville to be one and two this year. Um, I like Jacksonville. I gotta, Each three levels, yeah. Fowler, Jack, Ramsey. You strengthen yeah. on the defense. You get super aggressive. You get faster. You get more athletic. I'm not sold on their quarterback. You know, I know a lot of folks are. They, you know, fantasy. He, he got that that kind of glitz and glamour in games down 35-6, and you know, came back for two touchdowns or had a couple blowout games. I'm not sold on what they've got kind of at that position. 
and maybe sure. what they have at left tackle and kind of up front. I actually think their offense is going to see kind of a step back. And, you know, if we had Luke on, he'd break down some of the receivers and, and kind of some of their potential, right. but also some of their concerns. Cause now that you start having expectations, things change. Yeah. Are you, you're really going to be uh, set on uh, Al, uh, Rob Allen Robinson as your uh, outside number one guy, you know, is he going to be the draft sleeper that he was? No, he's going to have probably some expectations like you mentioned, but I got a, I got a uh, kind of a trivia question for you. And it's more of an opinion trivia question. We talked about Derrick Henry, the Heisman winner, name the uh, last great Heisman winner in the NFL. Great. Because I think you'd be surprised. The last great Heisman winner in the NFL. Well, from a running back position, the first one that goes comes to mind for me is an Eddie George. Um, and that's kind of where I started the list. I went all the way back and I have from 95 up until Derrick Henry. Well, I, and I think I started with Eddie Charles George. Woodson. I mean, it's a different position, but it, yeah. that, that's a Hall of Famer. It, what, 97 for exactly. him? I beat out Peyton Manning, 97, 97 or 98. Um, 97. I think what happens in college football is you started to see a shift in the systems that were running, the stats that were getting put up. Uh, you know, Ricky Williams was, you know, serviceable pro. Reggie Bush has been more of kind of a, a, a tool rather than any type of major asset. Um, the quarterbacks, well, obviously. He's not even a Heisman anymore. Oh, he's vacated. True. Well, I, I still <laughs> count him because the NCAA doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Exactly. But uh, no, but, that's um, prob- I'm probably, looking at this list. I'd probably stake my claim to, to Eddie George there, not you know having a list in front of me. And we've debated this for you know countless times at the bar. Who's going to be the first to get uh, a ring? Is it Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota? I mean, those two are, are light years ahead of RG three and Johnny Manziel, the eleven and twelve. Winners. Well, and um, unfortunately, we're probably getting people screaming. So, so I want to before we fight off any of these hate mailers and Twitter <laughs> people that, that are, you know, the thousands and thousands that are following us now. Right. <laughs> but Cam Newton is, is gotta be right there. Um, you know, obviously yeah, you're right. from, from his body of work thus far and kind of where he might be trending. I'm not a huge, huge cam guy. I think he's kind of a front runner and he's behind a defense that that's as strong and stout as, as they are, but he did have a, a, a pretty fantastic year this year. He has improved. Cam's probably got the crown right now. Him and his Oikos brand. That that is actually not that bad a yogurt. Oh Um, my god! I recommend the peach. But I gotta gotta change gears here. The last two days, and now you're talking about yogurt. Your man card is pretty much out the window. The the head is a little jacked up on mulch right now, but um, what did let me think about another team that I think might be uh, even more on the rise than what they did last year, especially defensively. Think about this: so Oakland had Khalil Mack on the edge, and um, now they've added a Bruce Irvin. Mm-hmm. They drafted a Jihad Ward and Shalee Calhoun from Michigan State. Yeah, one of the most unfortunate you know names in this year's draft. Um, so you had that with – and when does Alden Smith come back? Is it a uh, half-season Who knows? I, 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 have they even ruled on it yet? I mean, Roger Goodell is – I don't know. He, he's deciding, you know, who to bring up for the next uh, man of the year for the draft or, or, you know, too busy calling out picks versus actually doing his job. Yeah, he's more of a mascot so, for and maybe, but Maybe Luke Gurley's kidnapped him and, and he's – you know, stuffed them away in Iceland somewhere, put him in some, you know, 155 degree bath that he can just slow cook <laughs> in. 
But just think about that that edge rush for for a second. That is some depth at DN that uh, I don't think anybody else in the NFL really has. You know, putting those two high end rookies with uh, with a Khalil Mack and a Bruce Irvin, that's a pretty special pass rush that uh, is in the AFC West. That that almost is up there with. Um, what the Denver Broncos brought this year and got them all the way to the Super Bowl. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's the formula, and that's probably what they're looking to base it off of. I'm always interested, though, now, how do Carr and Cooper and Crabtree, Latavius, do they have faith in him or not? You know, Walt Walford right. had a, what an ATV accident I just saw yesterday or, or um, into this morning. So, you know, what is it about these hurricane times? tight ends that they can't get off these these kind of recreational <laughs> vehicles they don't know the extent of that i actually really like walford heading into the season i thought he underachieved a little bit he also got buried behind rivera so you I, there's some things and now again we're having the same discussion we have with jacksonville and, and i don't think there's expectations with tennessee but are these teams going to be good once the spotlight's maybe put on or they have a 415 game that you know phil sims and nance are, are gushing about and nance or and sims is talking about how much he's he's talk, talked about things you're right i think once the spotlight on is i don't know and i don't have the schedule in front of me they might even have a uh a thursday night game or possibly even a sunday night game this year i, I didn't have to check that out but um you're right if well, i think everybody's got the them, thursday night game that everybody plays that that you know shitty thursday game against the division team where everybody looks awful in their uniforms and then yeah, the performance again yeah, the product sucks anyways because you got half the team inactive right but again thanks roger Goodell. Um, make that money you know suspending the best quarterback that's ever played but keep pumping it away Raj. He's the best. He's our guy. Uh, one last draft factoid. I wanted to see if you could, you've picked this up. Um, so in the last five drafts, there's only been one college coach that's had a player picked in the top 15. Um, and it's not Nick Saban, Les Miles, no. or Stoops. Do you know who it is? I got to say it's it, it, Urban. It's not Urban. It's actually Dana Holgerson. Oh, oh the Holg. The drinking, yeah. drinking guy. If I was going to Morgantown, that'd be the guy you, you look up because he's got to hit the bar scene hard with as ragged as that cat looks. Nobody gets after it like other Dana Holgerson Huggins. does. Other than his, other than his yeah. basketball counterpart, Bobby Huggins. Imagine going they out really with those are. two for a night in the town in Morgantown, West Virginia. You think there's a little moonshine? I'll action? say this. If Pac-Man went out with them, I shudder to think how many people could possibly <laughs> die. <laughs> All right, so let's go to the other side of the coin. Which teams do you think crap the bed this year for the draft that really uh, had a chance to do something and then you know made some stupid decisions or they traded away uh, some assets or, or a pick they should have had a little bit more value with this year? My favorite part is just looking at all the negativity. I didn't like what Baltimore did. Our esteemed colleague, Mr. <laughs> uh, Matthew Monner, he actually uh, broke down the Stanley film against Clemson where he just got ragdolled <laughs> by Shaq Lawson. So I love seeing a left tackle go to them that's not Jonathan Ogden. Yeah. And then I'd also tie in two teams that have Chip Kelly ties, his San Francisco team, who traded up to get a guard in, this, mm-hmm. in the end of the first round on a team that has – who for wide receiver and who for skill position other than Carlos Hyde. So no real kind of, you know, 
targets there that that they had in mind and kind of just keep floating around, which is fine by me. Mm -hmm. And then the team that's near and dear to most Browns fans over the next 16 games, the Philadelphia Eagles. I just, Oh, go Eagles. We want them to quarterback the whole season away. They draft a ginger quarterback. And as we know in Cleveland, those work out fantastic. Oh my God. And then just, I would consider what they did and their draft just utterly drenched in feces it's waking up after a <laughs> drunken night not sure where you are semblance of a crack house and just littered in your own waist and saying how did i get here versus three years ago when they had deshaun jackson and jeremy macklin and Lashawn mccoy and zach Ertz coming up and now they are where they are because of allowing chip control and now Howie control. Can you get two worst first names to run your f- football <laughs> franchises other than Sashimi or Sushi or whatever the hell he's called? Although I've got to give Sashi, credit to him Sashi. and we'll go into him. He totally yeah. redeemed himself with this draft. Yeah, he totally did. And like you said, our favorite team is the Browns. We'll talk, definitely talk about them. But our favorite team this year – after the Browns will definitely be whoever's playing the and Eagles. And who's our week one opponent? Browns, Philly. So we automatically yeah. move into the first draft position right out of the gate, win or lose. Absolutely. But knowing it does us, not we'll matter. tie, and then you know, that'll work <sighs> against us. I'm sure it will. There'll be uh, the coin flip eventually. It puts us in a spot to lose out on the next great quarterback. Well, if uh, we we're talking the Browns, and if they're truly going to use analytics this year um, to be part of the decision-making process, I would say they did that. Um, this year, like you said in the last podcast, is all about accumulation of, of uh, assets, trade, you know, how many times this year? I think three total times and um, to move up and back and, and to get what they, they hopefully turn into a, a great draft class. Five uh, wide receivers taken this year, um, a quarterback from USC and Cody Kessler and um, some, some linemen, some D linemen, and uh, we'll, let's go into some of these guys. All right, so... Would you say that they were too aggressive this year in what they were doing? Uh, they were under aggressive, you know. Kind of give us a, an overview on uh, the Browns draft this year. For the roster makeup they had, they were appropriately non-aggressive, but they made moves back that were strategically smart and didn't go and take a center in the first round. Right. So I got to give it up to Sacagawea Brown. He made some smart <laughs> selection. We took a. a a tactic with receiver. Let's just draft five. Let's take some high end. Let's take some back end. Let's have them compete. We don't have any of them on the roster worth the damn other than maybe Hawkins or Gabriel. And even then that's sketchy. We don't know when Josh Gordon's going to get off the weed if ever. <laughs> so, so you go back to Sacagawea and he made the right decisions and whether the analytics said it or whatever else, Let's do what we've done countless times or what we've seen other teams do. Let's draft thoroughly in a position and try and hit two or three. The draft would be a success at that position if we do. We cut a fourth rounder last year. So what's the difference if we cut a couple fifth and sixth rounders this year or we practice squad them? It was very tactical and smart. Let's not just go and try and improve every area. Let's pick one or two defensive end. Wide receiver, let's get better there this year. Next year, you've got a bevy of picks, then 2017 and 18. Then you can be more selective at other positions and overall talent. 
They do need to hit on Coleman, but I, I think it, if you're going to miss, let's miss with the speed guy that's a high-effort guy that sure. by all accounts has been a pro- production machine in college. And I think that was a theme too. You Scooby Wright in the sixth round. Another guy, just production constantly. NASA Seventh round, actually, yeah. Seventh yeah, round. Yeah, seventh Scooby round. Wright. So Higgins was a sixth round, who was a production yeah. guy as well. So you get all these guys that in good programs, major D one for the most part. And then the, the other guys that don't have, you know, attributes that really popped. Right. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. This year was the theme was volume, and um, if analytics told them anything, you know, it was picking guys that do something or did something very well, almost at an elite level uh, in the nation um, at their position. Um, it, it was kind of shit against the wall. That was the. the I don't know if analytics if it says the same thing. But let's just you know I'm, I've got a really big strong feces theme with this, and my fecal I matters fantasy football squad is ringing true. But let's just get a bevy at a certain spot. Let's have them compete. And let's find out who's the best. So who do you like? Obviously, talking about Corey Coleman, and if you think about it, like. He didn't have a quarterback for the end of the year, and he still was, you know, one of the touchdowns. best when it came yep. to yeah, twenty touchdowns. I mean, he had Bryce Petty as a junior or as a sophomore. I forget. Is he a junior sophomore. or senior? Yeah, he's a junior sophomore. Yeah, so as he had Bryce Petty as a junior, or I'm sorry, as a sophomore, and then this year he had um, uh, two or three different quarterbacks due to injuries, and his production still was up there. Um, I kind of like Hollywood Higgins. Um, I think he's got a little shake to him, and if you watch some of his highlights, because I didn't catch a lot of Colorado State games this year, but you watch some of his highlights, he does have some pretty good stuff um, moving with the ball after the catch. So I'm looking for maybe him to make the team as a uh, – um, was he fifth or sixth round pick? I, I think, think six. I think you were right. Earlier. Sixth yeah. round pick, and the the kid at wide receiver I'm excited to hear about was uh, Jordan Payton. If I'm I'm a big pro football focus uh, grade guy, and he was oh, the second highest rated wide receiver out of all the wide receiver class according to their overall grade. Um, played 890 snaps this year, and he's just a solid wide receiver. Now. Does that mean Brian Hartline is going to get cut from this year? I don't know. I mean, Hawkins, Gabriel, and Hartline, that's three pretty crappy wide receivers already. So I don't know if all three are going to make this team, but uh, I hope that Jordan Payton does. Um, I don't know about the Princeton kid, um, and and we'll kind of go from there. But wide receiver class, like you said, it's kind of just throw crap at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, I think what we found is you take guys from high pedigree over the years, They've not panned out. You take guys, you know, that you think are sleepers and they've not panned out. And then you watch the Steelers and they take third and fourth and fifth rounders and they're Antonio Brown and Mike Wallace. So Antonio Brown's is a sixth round guy. So it's just kind of, uh, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. I think that's where we got panned a little bit. The funny thing is, is, you know, your ESPN boy, Mel Kuyper gave us the worst grade. I always get kind of a kick out of everybody. And I think we need to preface this whole thing by saying, we're not so much saying all these guys are automatically going to be good. It's just I do no. like the idea of teams going in with a certain mindset, a certain plan, and I think that's what the Browns did. And not only did they deliver on it, they exceeded the expectation, I think, even for what their plan originally was. I think they would have maybe taken Coleman at eight, 
They trade back and still get him. They accumulate more picks. And then if you look at the next two years, we control a lot of the draft the next two years, particularly when we're not going to be good really this year with a difficult schedule that you have maybe two in the top. 15 and maybe one inside the top five and if philly stinks in a tough division things get really interesting really quick when you look at a draft class as strong as next year's you can name 20 25 guys and i'm sure we'll do it you know in the in the months ahead as we start looking at next year's draft class there's 20 25 guys already at a high pedigree and inherently there's always 10 to 15 that bump up so you're talking about adding three possibly four to your team of that collective lot and things get really interesting you know up up towards Berea and first of all thanks for the shot against Mel Kuyper um we watched the draft together this year the first round and there was kind of a debate what's going to be shown on my TV. Was it going to be ESPN? Was it going to be the NFL Network? And I was abruptly shot down for putting ESPN up because I guess I have a little nostalgia for the crew up there, uh, Kuiper and and um, McShay Gruden. and my boy, my boy Gruden. I'm a big I'm a big Gruden fan. Um, but like you said with the Mel Kuiper shot, it was tough to watch this year. And I don't know if it's the landscape being different in Chicago or you know whatever it was, but it's it's. ESPN's wearing thin on me like uh, Mel Kuyper's hair. It's it's getting a little. Well, you know what's not. Uh, I might be coming to the dark side. The, yeah, what's not thin is is Chris Berman's neck or his waistline. No, it's it's sloppy, bad. and it's 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 really. He's just literally the mascot that gets rolled out there to just mumble his way through the draft. The one highlight and, was Susie Colbert finally asking the question to Tunsil, albeit off camera. And then some of their video montages with the, with the guys doing the look and point. I'm always a big fan of the point. Anytime you can get open the field and take that blocker, give me the point. I'm always a big fan. Yeah. I have kind of, you know, an unintentional comedy there's through the roof whenever they incorporate the point. Uh, speaking of unintentional comedy, I thought this year was, Ground and it might be breaking. the it might be the last year we see it. The gold chain over top of the necktie and the collared shirt it was taken to a new level. I think four out of the five top picks this year were, were wearing the gold chain over there. It, you know who started it was your boy Jameis Winston, well, I, and, and, and since then I, I I just have always admired it and loved it. I was always a big <laughs> fan of Arakpo with that chain link thing necklace that was probably <laughs> 45 pounds and would have probably broken my neck anything that just looks abnormal that it just further articulates that these people were massive human beings that have no regard <laughs> for doorways and ceilings anything like that or just their overall weight distribution and what they're carrying i'm always all in for they could all crush Susie colbert and the, a the matter of milliseconds. They, they want to kiss her. No, no doubt about yeah. it. <laughs> Who doesn't? Joe Namath. Speaking of cru- speaking of crushing people, uh, one place I also thought the Cleveland Browns got really good in the uh, in the draft was at D end, Ogba and Nassib, two physical guys. Not not just pure pass rushers like we were sold that bag of goods on Barkevius Mingo. These guys can stop the run, hopefully uh, more than we did last year. And they could also get after the pass. Hey man, Bar- Barcavia's be. been grinding in the offseason. He's been grinding. He's been, yeah. Yeah, that's what I hear. Putting on weight. My, putting on, oh, I thought you meant something else. No, All right, no, never I would mind. Never uh, make such an, <laughs> a, a, an no, allusion to. 
Never mind. Okay, never mind. Uh, but anyway, I digress. So defensive end, hopefully we're adding some pass rush. Um, Paul Kruger, mo- most definitely Sucks. still going to make it beyond this. He's still going to be on the team, though, and uh, hopefully that can stay a little, get a little bit more consistency. It looks like he needs to lose a little weight maybe to get a step back. But um, I'll tell you what, I think I'm not wrong when I say the, the guy Cleveland might be most excited about in this draft was the – value pick in the seventh round with Scooby Wright the third. Um, is there a possibility for him to become some sort of mascot legendary type player in Cleveland, the way of like uh, a Steve Everett or even a Johnny Manziel? I mean, oh nobody was more popular than a Johnny Manziel. And I know Arizona, Arizona State, is it's a good place to go to school because there's lots of partying and he looks like he gets after it um, off the field. But do you think Scooby Wright is a chance to make this team? So what I would say about middle linebackers in this day and age, they are inherently undervalued and underappreciated. Sure. And it's fascinating. You look at a team like Green Bay last year who had to move Clay Matthews inside just to play and fill out that position. So it's important one games one through 16 and into the playoffs. But for whatever reason in the offseason, it is consistently over the past few years been a position that is neglected. And almost the point that is kind of odd because a lot of times they're calling the the, the defensive formations, they're making the audibles, checks, Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason, it's just not viewed that importantly. And here's a guy that was – when you talk about production, he had it at every ounce of it during his career. He played hurt all of last season, MCL, arm. He gets those right, doesn't perform the combine, gets a little bit better into his pro day. And he doesn't have the major attributes. But how many times have we seen this type of guy go to somebody else, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, shines, or even Cincinnati yeah. with perfect? And you know, while there's baggage with that and baggage with some of those other folks, he does kind of fit that profile a little bit of when he figures it out or he plays 10 years, people are going to say, why the hell didn't we draft him? And it's nice to maybe have that opportunity now he can get on the practice field up and breathe and be a total stiff and not play at the speed that may be the case but maybe he's a guy you throw the pads on and he doesn't loot downshift at all and if anything maybe he accelerates and some of these other guys don't you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned the comp to uh vante's perfect he's kind of exactly what i was thinking guy with a chip on his shoulder perfect was undrafted i believe picked up uh right away by by um uh, cincinnati Cincinnati, thank you. Uh, picked up by Cincinnati, and you know has had a successful career by playing with that chip on his shoulder. I would love to have a tough guy playing our middle linebacker in our in our scheme. I mean, yeah, I'm not I saying I want a guy, t- guy that stabbed somebody allegedly sure. from Akron and may have killed two people in Atlanta. You know, over I, a Super I Bowl don't know what you're talking weekend. About. I mean, I don't need that much feistiness. But it wouldn't hurt if every once in a while we had a middle linebacker that caught an assault charge every now and again. There's nothing wrong with getting into it a little bit, you know, with some people at the bar. That's uh, fine. Just don't, ki- just don't kill them. Crack and stab as long as it's not fatal. A few stitches, <laughs> you make a six-figure payment, you pay them off. Let's move on. Yeah. So, yeah, if we could bring, you know, kind of a West 6 bar fight guy into our, our defense, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. So, yeah, it's a great comparison there. So is there anybody else you thought we really took, you know, too far of a reach on on our draft? Um, you know, who was the other linebacker? We got Schobert from uh, Wisconsin. I mean, second-team All-American. 
you know, just one of the, just a football player, you know, maybe what's his position exactly. I think they'll figure it out. Is he a rusher? Is he going to bounce bump to the inside? Is he more of kind of a, a situational type guy, but you look at, is some of the guys we had on the roster and who will kind of bump off as a result. It's an upgrade. It's a younger player. It's someone with some upside. So I, I liked that pick. The one pick that I'm maybe a little questionable about just cause I watched this guy a lot. was Kessler. You know, I obviously scouted a lot right. of, as, as any Browns fan does. You scout a lot of the potential quarterbacks. Every time I watched him, I saw a lot of talent. I saw him make some throws. I saw him not take some chances. I also saw a team that for some reason would have a great drive and then they'd have two or three drives so maybe that's play calling a little bit what does he see how's his footwork he's not really really tall not terribly big the accuracy seems to be there but it's so tough yeah, in college he was now great because the yeah. he was great at such a high accuracy guy and for him to slip down to the uh the sixth round in some projections it was kind of kind of shocking and then when we were to get him in the uh third round i was like man I don't know if this is a reach or if this is actually where he should be well, located. Well, I think you know, some people, that he had some second-round buzz out of nowhere. I, I actually feel like he may have been a little bit of a reach. They'd have picked him at the top of the fourth round where it was either him or Kevin sure. Hogan in my eyes. And those are guys that have a lot of reps, major D1. They fit that Parcells model of 30-plus starts. 30 plus touchdowns above a 60 or 65% completion percentage. So he fits that, that kind of mantra a little bit. Does he have the arm strength? Who knows? But if they're looking at it and saying, can we strike Kirk cousins here? I'm totally on board with it. You also have made four picks prior to that. And I like the Coleman kid. I think he's a slot, you know, drop right into right tackle. Uh, maybe the right guard spot, depending if if they're concerned about his feet footwork a little bit or his, or his overall strength. Maybe you have to keep him on the outside. So, but I, I I like what they did there. I think it was perfectly fine to take the quarterback. I mean, we know if we stink this year, we're in the Watson, Brad, Kaya, you know, maybe. Josh or Josh Rosen decides to sue the NFL again. A la Claret. <laughs> Maybe we're looking at him too, but I, I, I think it's not, it, it's worth a shot. You try and keep RG three upright. I don't think we're going to win them any games anyway. So it's all about yeah. some perspective. Absolutely. And Hugh and, loves and him. Just, so yeah, you know, I'll give uh Sashim, Sashimi or, and and crew Sashi, Sashi yeah yeah I, I'm I'm not calling him by his, his actual name until until we have some wins in the W column. Um, okay, I get that. But you know, Hugh loves him, so we'll give him his kind of token pick here, and we'll we'll see what he does with it. Overall, do you think this is more Hughes draft, or was this more of a Podesta and Sashi Brown draft? I think. Do you think there was more of like guys that Hugh kind of liked and said, you know, put his final stamp on, or do you think he's more hands off and and it just seems that like he is making all these picks kind of like in the media? Sense? Well, I saw a picture of Agba with the shirt off, so I'm going to say it's a D Haslam draft because she wanted she wanted to be very <laughs> hands on. <laughs> that picture made it around pretty quick, and uh, whew, we were all kind of afraid for a second like this guy i wouldn't want to yeah that's a debo dude he's gonna be crushing some yeah. skulls on west six look out we Love got it. some buddies on west six sometimes little shrek's gonna get crushed like a bug yeah stay away from ogba shrek he's gonna step right in your yeah. face go hang out with joey speaking, 
Speaking of Shrek, you played in a little golf tournament this past weekend with Shrek and a lot of the league members and uh, called the Jones Invitational. It's out by Mosquito Lake, Ohio. So why don't you give us a little rundown of what went down this weekend? I, you know, stopped out, saw some of the hacks tearing up the course, chucking it around. Iron Games non-point, Team Hammer struggling with the flat stick. But overall, you know, the Joe Archer, the Sherman Williams team came out on top, so props to them. Jonesy set up a good outing, so, so uh, you know, every year it's good to kind of see some of the fellas and whatnot. I, I was unable to really play this year with my shoulder and recovering from an Achilles, so hoping to make a triumphant return next year, a little bit more productive. productive. And uh, I heard a little rumor uh, you're going to be heading to Germany this summer to get some blood work done. I might have to get some some doping done. Uh, I've researched that. I've researched just about anything and everything. Hopefully, we don't have the feds on this looking at my Google account and see what what I may have tapped into to try and advance some of my healing see, and get, heard, get me back to my 20s. I heard it's only illegal to do all that blood doping if you're an actual athlete. I thought if you played like rec league softball and you know golfed with a hack squad, you can do pretty much whatever you want. So HGH, it's not off the table, Sean. Do whatever you need to do. Well, we've got this email account, and maybe why don't you give them the email account to all of our thousands of listeners? Yeah, if you want to send us an email about Sean's injuries and uh, you know any hate mail you want, you can definitely do that at negpodcast at gmail dot com, and you can follow the Never Ending Glory podcast at Glory Podcast on Twitter. You can follow Luke at at lgrilly eighty eight and myself at burris forty. And uh, we'll get right back to you. Well, Sean, it has been a pleasure to have you on. Um, well, and I understand that our emails are starting to flow in from folks from last week. Yeah. We're the number one trending podcast in Northeast Ohio. That's what I hear. Possibly the only one that's that's trending, but we'll still roll with it. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Um, we did get one email from a, a listener that really, really uh, touched something important. He said that he plans on heckling us from now on um, with his impression of Brendan Dassey's mother. So it's going to be a lot of. I can't uh, wait. I, I don't know how this is actually going to work, but he says he's going to first groupie, groupie or um, troll slash um, creep. I guess I don't know how else to put it. Well, but we had another one that wanted to call in live and and chastise us. Yeah, and while I, we're actually doing it, when I so, told when I told them that this isn't actually live, it's recorded. I don't think they quite understood that technology. So I think we're well, safe. It is, it is the recesses of Northeast Ohio. Yeah, yeah, we're getting uh, calls from I believe actual old minefields in Youngstown area. So who knows? And I think what we need to look for next week is whether or not Iceland will extradite back if if Luke does commit a crime there and then comes back. Will they pull him back and and deliver punishment if he murdered or sold or threw someone in a a, a revolting hot bath? I heard uh, Vegas odds on Luke actually being allowed back into the United States were at uh, three to one. So we'll see. I don't know. But anyway, it was a pleasure having you on, Sean. And uh, we look forward to seeing you all again soon. Hopefully we're going to have some NBA takes here soon with our beloved Cavs up right now, currently 76-38 against the Atlanta Hawks. And, um, Ass whoop. Oh, absolutely. The diff was doubled up at halftime. Luke's a big LeBron fan, so we'll definitely want to get him oh, next time. I hear he's the biggest LeBron fan, so can't wait he, to talk to him hawk. about it. He definitely is. All right, everybody, take it easy, and we'll get back to you next time. Cheers.